entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. They lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go your way, your faith hath made you whole. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, a man who was faithful in teaching the Word of God for more than 60 years throughout the Northwest. The name of our study, The Unchanging Word, highlights the fact that God's Word has not changed. What God reveals in His written Word was true in the past, is still true today, and will be true tomorrow. As you listen, you can expect the Word of the Living God to encourage, challenge, and comfort you. We live in difficult times, but we can expect our God to provide answers to the big questions in your life through His Word. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. In Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19, Dr. Mitchell speaks on the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Here we see Luke including the true story of ten lepers. Now these ten cried out, saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, this word master is a word which only Luke uses six times in his gospel, and both Peter and John use this direct address to Jesus. But only here, in Luke chapter 17, verse 13, do the lepers use this word in addressing our Lord. Now, this word recognizes Jesus' authority. He alone has authority to heal their disease. On their way to the priest, one of them recognizes he has been cleansed, and he returns to the Lord Jesus to give him thanks. Now, he was a cultural outcast, being a Samaritan. Here's Dr. Mitchell with Jesus' authority to forgive, as pictured by the healing of the ten lepers. Luke chapter 17, verse 11. We come to you with studies in the gospel through Luke. And I sincerely hope that in some way the Lord is getting down into your heart as he's gotten down into my heart. And we've been dealing with this 17th chapter. And we just finished the first 10 verses where the Lord taught this question, the danger of causing a brother uh, to offend, and then the tremendous joy of forgiveness, of being generous in our forgiveness, to forgive a man every time he comes and confesses his sin or apologizes for what he does, even if it's seven times in one day. And this being a supernatural thing, the disciples ask for faith, and the Lord there deals with the quality of faith, 
Not the amount of faith, the quality of your faith. It's got to be real. It's got to be genuine. And then he closes up with a, a warning concerning taking credit for any service you do. And we ought to serve him because we love him. I tell you, my Christian friend, if you serve the Lord for what you get out of it, it becomes a chore. It becomes a burden. You know, when you serve the Lord because you love him, it's an amazing what you can accomplish. It's an amazing the strength God gives you. It's amazing the blessing you have because what? You're doing something for him whom you love. Just as the Lord Jesus lived his life among men, <clears throat> his sinless life, and yet was crucified and abused and so on, he did it because he loved his Father and was obedient to his word and submissive to his will. And when you and I come to that place, and God grant we'll experience at least some of it, we'll know something of the joy and the blessing, the thrill of doing something for the Lord Jesus because you love him. Not for what you get out of it, but because you love him. I tell you, it makes all the difference in the world. All the difference in the world. I've been preaching the word for 50 years, and I'm more desirous now of preaching it than I ever did before. Why? Because I love him more now than I did before. I'm beginning, I'm just beginning to realize the tremendous relationship there is between the Savior and his people. That every one of us, each individual who loves the Lord, is the special object of his love, of his devotion. As if you were the only one on earth who loves him. He's made you the object of his love, his affection, and his devotion. So we serve him, not for what we get out of it. We serve him because we love him. You say, don't you believe in crowns? Well, the Bible talks about it. Of course I do. In fact, every phase of a believer's life is governed by a crown. But I'm telling you, if I want crowns, if I have crowns, I'll be, it'll be a wonderful joy to just take them and cast them at his feet and crown him Lord of all. Now, starting in at verse 11, we come to a change. Up to verse 10, up to verse, through verse 10 of chapter 17, and from chapter 13 on through 1710, our Lord has been moving on toward Jerusalem, and now he, he, he's still moving on. It came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Not just a, a simple statement, his heart now is set upon Jerusalem. Like have an Isaiah when he said, I have set my face as a flint and I shall not be moved. I'm quoting Isaiah chapter 50. And you find that our Savior, after spending most of his ministry in Galilee, is now moving toward Jerusalem for the final few months of his ministry on earth. And on his way, we read, as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. 
And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go your way, your faith hath made you whole. Now here's a wonderful little incident in the life of our Lord. He has set his face toward Jerusalem. And he's passing now through Samaria. He's already been from Galilee and coming into Samaria. And here are ten lepers. And these were outcasts. You remember leprosy uh, is a picture of the defilement caused by sin. Incurable, it cripples, and so on. It's a real picture, by the way, of a person out of Christ. Under the Mosaic law, no one who was a leper was allowed among his people. He had to leave his family, leave his business, leave his friends, and he was banished to the camp of lepers. It was a terrible life. It was a terrible, lonely, miserable experience. They were not allowed to come to the temple for worship. They were not allowed even to go back to their family. According to the law of Moses, they were banished to the camp of the lepers. May I say this is a real picture of what sin does to a human heart. You see, friend, all of us have been defiled by sin. Leprosy was a terrible, terrible disease. I have seen pictures of lepers, and I, I be frank with you, I don't like to see it. It does something to me. All your sympathy goes out. You gaze upon these, uh, these legs that are crooked and running sores, ears eaten away, noses eaten away, and so on, and you just begin to wonder. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible disease. And in our Lord's day, in fact, down through the centuries, it has been looked upon as an incurable disease. It just eats away until the leper dies, just until it gets into his vitals, then he dies. And no one was allowed because if you touched the leper, you were defiled. You had to go through a period of, clean, of being clean. Now, here are ten lepers. And you notice they recognized the authority of Jesus. They believed in the ability of Jesus to heal them. And notice they obeyed his word. Now mark these three things. They recognized his authority. They believed in his ability to heal them. And they believed that he would heal them. You know, uh, if I may quote from Mark chapter 1, you remember uh, the, the leper came running to Jesus and said, If you want to, you can make me clean. That leper recognized the authority and the power of Jesus to heal him of his leprosy. But he questioned the love of Jesus. Would he do it? You know, it's a wonderful thing. These men cried out, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, why did they cry out? Because they knew their condition. They knew their hopelessness. They knew their need. And their only hope was based on Jesus. It was their only opportunity to be healed. 
their only opportunity. Jesus passed by, and the chances are he would never be that way again because he was on his way to Jerusalem to be crucified. I repeat it, they recognized his authority. They believed he had the power and the ability to heal them. And they believed that he had enough love in his heart to meet their need. Could I ask a question? Because these lepers, they obeyed him, and on their way, when they were going, they were healed. Now they meant business. It was a life and death matter. It's a life and death matter. Why are sinners not saved today? Well, because they don't believe they're sinners. Oh, yes, you do. Yes, they do. Everybody knows they've sinned. Yes, but they don't believe they're lost sinners. They believe in some in some way, they don't know how, but they believe in some way that God is going to manifest mercy to them. And they're going to take a chance on their good works. Listen, friend, let me tell you something. If you're out of Christ, you have an incurable disease called sin. You say, well, I don't, I don't agree with you on that. Well, the Bible says, the wages of sin is death. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. It's incurably bad. There's no remedy for it in the human race except what God has done for us in Christ Jesus. Allow me to give you a little incident where I'm trying to get to you. Why aren't you saved? It's because you don't believe you need a Savior. You've never seen your condition. These lepers, they knew they had an incurable disease. Now, you do too. Many years ago in Texas, while I was attending a seminary down there, I came down with uh, this throat disease. Uh, what do you call it? I'm trying to think of the name of it. Uh, and I had this disease, and it's a, it's a disease you can pass on to somebody else, and I was choking. And the doctor came, and he said to my roommate, he said, uh, he began to talk to me side and ask questions. And I said, listen to the doctor. You come and talk to me personally. What, what do you think it is? And I asked him what this thing was. He said, I'm going to take a culture and we're going to see if it's true that you have this disease. And so he took culture. And that night he called up or the next morning and he said, uh, take Mr. Mitchell to the hospital. And so we went to the hospital. And by the way, that night I, I, uh, I had an awful time. I could breathe in, but I couldn't breathe out. I was having a terrible time. Well, the result was I went to the hospital. The nurse said, I said, you got a room for a man called Mitchell? And the nurse said, yes. Uh, where is he? I said, well, I am, I am Mitchell. Oh, this man is very sick. I said, lady, don't tell me that. I know I am. Well, they put me in a room. And after a while, the doctor came in with another doctor. They examined my throat. And they, and I remember the doctor saying, Is, isn't that a body case? Here I am choking, just choking, discussing my condition. And the doctor took a hypodermic. It looked to me like an alamite grease gun. And he, and he stuck in me so many 50,000 units of antitoxin. Give me a pill, told me to go to sleep. 
The next morning he came over to my, next day he came over to my bed and he said, well, how are you getting along? I said, I'm getting along fine. He said, uh, is that so? And he went to the end of the bed and picked up the chart. And he said to me, I'm afraid I've got to give you some, some more antitoxin. You're not as good, not, you're not well. Well, I said, I feel fine. He said, listen, Mr. Mitchell, you're under an opiate. You don't know how you feel. The chart tells me that I've got to give you some more antitoxin. So they gave me some more antitoxin. When he came in the next day, he said, how are you feeling? I said, doctor, I want to tell you, I feel fine, except I've got appendicitis on the wrong side. That's where they'd stuck the needle in. Did he take my word for it? Not on your life. He went down, picked up the chart. He said, yes, you're going to be fine. I just, you take it easy. A few weeks afterwards, I went down to his office. And uh, we began talking. I began to bring up the gospel to this doctor. Told him how the Lord died to redeem sinners. Oh, he said, Mr. Mitchell, you know, he said, I, I'm not a bad sort. You know, I'm religious. I go to a certain church. He said, I'm all right. Nothing wrong with me. Oh, I said, doctor, you've got an incurable disease. He said, what? I said, you have an incurable disease. And he said, what's that? I said, sin. Why, he said, Mitchell, I'm not a bad fellow. I said, listen, you're under an opiate. The chart says... You have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The chart says, which of course is the Bible, the chart says, the Scriptures hath concluded all under sin. God hath concluded them all in unbelief. I said, sir, you have a disease that's incurable, and the wages of sin is death. Although I didn't have the privilege of leading that doctor to the Lord that same summer, he came to know the Savior in a very, very wonderful way. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. You may feel that you're not too bad, but you've got leprosy of the soul, and you're, you're banished from the presence of God. And the only way you'll ever come into the presence of God and be acceptable is to get rid of your disease called sin. And that comes through obedience to his word. Now look at it. These ten lepers lifted up their voice and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. You know what he said? He didn't even touch them. He says, Go, show yourself to the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Obedience brought salvation. Obedience in their condition brought cleansing. Now, why did the Lord say, go and show yourself to the priest? Because this was the Mosaic commandment. You find this in Leviticus chapter 14. When a leper says that he's cleansed, he go to the priest, and the priest provides a sacrifice, two birds alive, clean, and so on, and he sprinkles the blood upon the leper to be cleansed and pronounces him clean. He doesn't ask the leper, are you cleansed? He pronounces him clean. When you and I obey the word of God and accept the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, God pronounces us clean. And as these fellows went to show themselves to the priest, they were cleansed. Obedience 
brought deliverance. And when you, my friend, obey the gospel, what do you mean by that? When you put your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you obey the Lord when he says, come unto me and I'll give you rest. Obedience brings deliverance. It brings forgiveness. It brings salvation. Now look at the rest of the little story. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down at the feet of Jesus, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan, one of the, uh, you know, Samaritans were hated by the Jews. I take it that the other nine were Jews who had leprosy and were healed on their way to see the priest to, to fulfill the Levitical law of the cleansing of a leper. And one came back and he was one of these outcast Samaritans. And he came and fell at the feet of Jesus and gave him thanks. And Jesus said, Were there not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? They are not found that return to give glory to God. Save this stranger. Arise, go your way. Your faith hath made you whole. My friend, may I ask the question? Christian, I talk to you. How often do you thank the Lord for your salvation? How often do you thank the Lord that he's your Savior? Do you know the Lord missed the thanksgiving of these nine lepers? How grateful he was, how thankful he was when one came back who was a Samaritan and gave him thanks for his cleansing. Did you notice the Samaritan didn't go to the temple or to the priest? He came back, he found in Jesus all that he needed. He didn't need a priest. He didn't need to go to the temple. He had the Savior himself. Oh, what a wonderful thing. You know, I've oftentimes wondered, I wonder if the Lord has missed my thanksgiving. Does he miss your thanksgiving? Since when did you tell the Lord that you loved him? Since when did you thank the Lord for his daily, daily faithfulness to you and to me? And you know the Lord missed, missed the thanksgiving of these nine. I wonder, does the Lord miss your thanksgiving? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing if every one of us who named the name of Christ thanked the Lord today, whatever the past has been, start today and live a life of thanksgiving to the Lord? I, I don't mean, I don't mean to, uh, to thank the Lord before people and uh, it becomes a, an empty habit. I'm talking about the reality. This man fell at the feet of Jesus, thanked him. Since when did you get on your knees in the presence of the Lord and thank him for saving you and telling him how much you loved him? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing the Lord would so appreciate the Lord Jesus in heaven on the throne of God would so appreciate your thanksgiving and your love and for those of you who have never accepted the Savior, may I tell you, friend, he loves you with an everlasting love. He loved you enough to die for you. Why don't you accept his offer of salvation 
through simple faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, who died to redeem you out of all iniquity and purify to himself a people for his possession. Now you thank the Lord. Give yourself to him and praise him today for his name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. Write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon 97338. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word Radio Broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.